The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle call! Heavy, hey! Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Haberman and Middle Cough. It's great to have you. If you are live on YouTube, that's awesome. We appreciate you being here. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the thumbs up. That's a like. Thank you very much for your uh, patronage. If you are listening to this podcast, whether you're brand new or an oh 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 g, thank you as well for listening. Um, you're already subscribed, probably, but if not, hit that and uh, share it with your friends or your enemies. Yeah. Plus, leave us a question. Apple Podcast five stars. We appreciate that. Yeah, we got to get back to the mailbag. Got to get back to bagging. Bag alert. Bag alert. Although I did develop, John, a new label for big-ass games. Those are bags also. And I've got a, uh, I got some bags for you this week, big-ass games. Pet peeve of me, honestly. I, I uh, This might be stupid, but it's just – maybe it's because it's become so mainstream that he got the bag. I, I yeah. guy, despise that fucking term. I absolutely hate it, mainly because when I think bags, like that's the bag man – that's like what yeah. the mob used. Remember Eddie DeBartolo for the yeah. uh, what, you know, uh, rubber band man, rubber band. Yeah. Like drug dealers one. would That's use cool. what guys would use back in the 90s. Like, you know, uh, Bobby Bowden rolling up to a dude's house, drop off a bag to land a player mm-hmm. in 2022. Like whether you're in the NBA, the NFL or even now in college, you get direct deposits and we pay taxes on those money. They're bags like. When someone signs the max contract, you know, in the NBA, it's like, he just got his back. No, actually, he signed a contract, and he's going to pay half of it to the government. There's no – he would die for that money to come in a bag of cash, but actually he'd be screwed because he would never be able to get into a bank. So there are no such things as bags of cash. I mean, there are still on, like, the black market if you're doing some drugs. But or not anything that a team account is tweeting. Not about. anything that we talk about in this fear that the word bag gets used about, specifically players – 
you know, like a coach, like Kirby Smart just got the bag from Georgia. No, actually, he just got a bonus in a direct deposit, and half of it was deducted for taxes. That's just that's just a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, I understand. I don't like bag. Uh, well, I'm not going to get into all the stuff I don't like. It's a long list, but um, suitcase of, of cash. Well, no, it's legitimate beef. Legitimate beef, John. Although I did see that uh, DeAndre Ayton, after receiving his bag in this offseason, did not receive a phone call or a text from the Suns head coach, Monty Williams. Uh, today was media day. This is not going to be a discussion on the show, but they did ask him uh, if he and Monty have smoothed things over, and he said, we haven't talked. So yeah. off to a good start. I, I have another pet peeve, but it's just it, it feels like I'm very negative. Like I would imagine when De- DeAndre Ayton, for example – he signs whatever. I, I don't know the exact number. Let's just pick 120. It might have been 140. It was a large amount, right? He got a huge contract. And people are like, generational wealth. Like, no, guys. He was the number one pick in the draft, and I'm pretty sure he got $40 million. So he technically already had generational wealth. Like, I, I don't know what people, like, there's not like a set. Like, no, if you have like $15 million after taxes, like, if, if you invest right and put some away, like, that's setting people up and you're going to have some income streams. I think we have a false sense of like what can set up some people for some like down payments of homes and keep food going on the table. Like, well, we don't know exactly how many. We should start specifying how many generations we're talking about is really what we should do. You know, and the other thing about generational wealth that kind of bothers me, like, do I want my kid's grandson to just be fucking living on easy street because fucking John Middlecoff was grinded? Like, isn't well, that part of were, like, I mean, if, nepotism? I mean, if you were John Middlecoff Walton, you know. Uh, and your grandfather just bought the uh, the Broncos and still has an extra uh, fifty billion left over for you. Then um, I don't think you would hate it so much, you know. But even he, the guy that bought the Broncos, is the kid. You understand what I'm saying? If you were yeah. jumping off Rockefeller, you know, you'd be like, "Well, <sighs> generational wealth. This is what it looks like." But at least with that, you know, I mean, they built. Uh, a, a stable stalwart in America, Walmart. Like I get it. Like there's nothing you can do, but just DeAndre Ayton is going to play basketball. Let's just pick a number, make $400 million like, for just playing hoops and dominating and being yeah. sweet center. Yeah. Like does it, what if his grandson's grandson, maybe he'll just some things. scrub. Maybe he'll build things like Favre, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you're a legacy builder. I, I can't get over how my take on bread is he was broke. Or he's closer to broke than people realize, doesn't have the cash. Well, once you start seeing, you know, now you never know. I mean, you can't assume anyone that does commercials is broke because they might just be offering an absurd amount of money, right? But when you saw the copper fit, you're like, all right, I wonder how much they're paying. Maybe it's maybe it's just too good to pass up, right? Like John Hamm keeps saying yes to every commercial people ask him to do. He might just he is making, in the industry though. There's a little totally, it's a little he might, different. He might just be making two million bucks for a random ad, right? So yeah. it's like, well, I mean, eight hours of my time. But once I saw the ad on my phone, this is right before that story broke of Brett. It was like a sponsored prayer ad. I was like, ah. And it didn't look like it, it wasn't shot well. Brett was clearly reading a script that wasn't near the camera. It was just poorly done. It made me think he wasn't getting paid a lot of money to do it, but that he needed the money to do it. Uh, yeah, I don't think you're crazy. Well, think about this. Brett ads, you know, to build the volleyball center was $5 million. That's net $5 million. So, like, are we sure Brett is just flush with cash? Mm-hmm. I would guess. I read the long ESPN article. Yeah. My number one takeaway is he does not have the cash and doesn't. He's so famous, does not want to be embarrassed. And now it's the double whammy. 
Now he's broke and he's fucking might go to prison. He didn't make, uh, you know, Dak Prescott. No, <laughs> no he didn't. What was Did he, he making per year? What would you guess Brett Favre's career earnings were? Um, I'm guessing on the high end, he made like in a year, maybe what, 15? Do you think he made 14, 13 on the high end of the year? So I'm going to guess long career, came back for, you know, got paid a lot of money at his. But I'm going to say uh, career 85, 140. Okay. Should he was 140. And he, he was a pretty marketable player over the years. So you could, I think you yeah, could had a lot of be pretty $250 million over the life of his playing career, the money outside and inside. That's not Brett to made be. more than enough. I, I would oh. say Brett kind of transcended like, you know, like the Steve Young, Troy Aikman guys probably making 5 million and everyone thought they were super rich. The guy started making 20 plus million, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have his yearly? Like what were, what was his? No, I just, I just have dollars. his career. He's 22nd all time, 137.8. Seriously, he's twenty second all time. Well, that, that that could be, you know, that might need to get up. Like four Bosa's that out earn him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, his last year for the Vikings, he made sixteen, which is the most he ever made. Wow, he, he was making a lot of like sixes and sevens and eights. He he made he actually got those last three years. The Jets. Two Vikings years were very big for his career earnings. It was 12, 12, and 16. So that's 24. So he made an extra $40 million. Like just his Packer career was 100, which at the time I bet he was near the top, right? Of career earnings. Sure. That extra 40 is like, I mean, is that JC Jackson money? Yeah. I mean, 90s money. And then like, what was his last year? Like 2011 money or two different things, right? Yeah. What was his last year in the league? Probably 13 Uh, or something, 14. It was 10. It was 10? Was his last year in the NFL? 10 was his last year in the league, yeah. And remember, it was he got injured and shit, so. Yeah. I do remember. I, 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 I complete, I mean, I'm not, let's just not even use Brett Favre as an example. Understand the guy who just was a really good player. Maybe he broke in the league late 80s and his career ended around 2000 and sees just fucking Kyler Murray get $150 million. You just be like, I'm not a bitter person. I'm happy. I'm a positive guy. But every once in a while, I'd be like, I'd be pissed. Well, I think it'd be the rookies would be really the ones that piss you off if you were one of those guys, right? Like a Cleveland Farrell type? Yeah. Well, yeah. Just any rookie. You'd be like, rookies? Remember, they used to make more, though, before the new, before that CBA. Like, the no. member, member Stafford got like $50 million yeah, when he signed? Yeah, Bradford. Remember, Bradford got Bradford, yeah. Bradford's career earnings, like, yeah, I made about 220. <laughs> yeah, Bradford's Bradford made more money than golfers who have won multiple tournaments, I think. Chase Daniels, like, 47. Well, that was the thing. Like, the other day, whenever when we were talking about this, like, Herbert didn't want to come out of the game. Herbert had been hurt. He didn't want to come out, even though it was a blowout. Maybe he was just protecting Chase Daniels' bag, John. Maybe he didn't want bag exposure on Chase Daniels. Let's see. You know what Chase Daniels' career earnings is? I'm going to guess it's uh, – this is a fun game. I'm going to say $41 million. Close, 36. Pretty good. Not bad. Not bad at Pretty all. Pretty good. John, we are sponsored by our friends at Tito's Handmade Vodka. I just saw that somebody tagged this in a tweet the other day. It was that Tito's was the answer and a big crossword puzzle in some major publication. Tito's Handmade Vodka, John, you know what I like to do? I go to titosvodka.com. I get some ideas, maybe a little fresh squeeze sip of Tito's in the grackle, which is blood orange juice, bitter herbal liqueur. 
maybe a little Tito's Bloody Mary, maybe a little Tito's Martini, a Tito's Rita. You know, some would say sacrilege. We say tasty. Tito's Handmade Vodka. We love having Tito's on board. And um, we love when you share with us your Tito's beverages. My, my, my favorite moment is when someone will link us in a tweet or an Instagram and say, I'm playing hooky from work at the golf course, usually before noon on a weekday, sometimes on a Monday with a cocktail. That happened yesterday. Yeah, the bridge that guy immediately brings joy into my life. That guy hit us up. He's like, I'm at the Bridges. It was a Monday. It was Monday. I'd like Bridges. 11 a.m. It's, it's kind of target golf out in San Ramon. Not, okay. not the easiest course if you're a little off. So Tito's might have made it. Uh, I once lost a $100 hole to Bobby Wigington, tied going into 18. I went for the green, hit it in the shit, and Bobby laid up kind of a pussy, and then he won. <laughs> Tito's Handmade Vodka, John. It is Numero Uno, America's original craft vodka. Shout out to Tito Beverage. The soul vision, the works, the, the craftsmanship, all of it. Tito's um, has been going strong for over 20 years, and uh, it's still going very strong. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Happy 25th anniversary earlier this year to Tito's. And again, uh, if you're looking for a little recipe, a little habanero infusion, uh, go check out the Tito's Vodka website, titosvodka.com, and send us photos. Hit us up. Show us. This is how you are consuming your Tito's. We appreciate that. Tito's loves that, too. So uh, thank you for your support of us and of Tito's. We are also brought to you by draft, uh, Brandon on the stream asked, did you guys get free Tito's? Yes. Uh, we are also brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings, the sports book. Sign up with the code HAM. DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and they're dishing out a sweet offer to all their new customers. Here's what you do. You bet $5 on any football team to win, and you receive an additional $200 in free bets if that bet cashes. That's right. New customers who bet at least 5 bucks on any football team to win this weekend will get an additional $200 in free bets if your bet hits. Plus, with same-game parlays, you can combine multiple bets from the same game to give your shot, uh, give yourself an even bigger sh uh, a shot at even bigger winnings all season long. Uh, don't forget, there's also a DraftKings Fantasy if you're in a state without the uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, which is also a good time. But no matter what, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers use the promo code HAM. You receive $200 in the free bets if your bet hits after placing a $5 pregame football wager. That's code HAM. Only at the DraftKings Sports Book. There you go. You got any, uh, anything st anything standing out? Um, well, one, one parlay for this Thursday would be uh, Tyreek Hill and Waddle to score a touchdown in the. Uh, oh. How about this Tri triple team it and Burrow to throw one? Waddle, Tyreek, Burrow, maybe Jamar go big. I, I I don't hate that at all. It's a pretty attractive Thursday night game. Dolphins three and zero, and the Bengals kind of need to win, right? The Bengals lose this game; they're one and three. So, uh, critical game for uh, Cincinnati, and uh, I think they play. Since he's actually got a, I feel like they play somebody in two weeks too. So, uh, somebody good. Um, so, in any event, check show notes for disclaimer and details on uh, on all of that. John, the internet's buzzing today. The internet is buzzing today. Does Jimmy Garoppolo hate Kyle Shanahan's play calls? According to uh, sharp-eyed Brooks Anderson on Twitter, who's uh, 
tuned up this video to over 270,000 views. People believe that Jimmy Garoppolo said, all your plays suck, man. All your plays suck, man. What, what did you think he said? Because honestly, I'm not the greatest lip reader. I don't really have any clue. I'm big, big lip reader guy over here. And I can't tell if he says all your plays suck, man. If I had not had anybody give me a hint as to what he says ahead of time, all I would really feel comfortable about lip reading would be the word suck, man. Uh, which <laughs> I suck, man. Uh, could so he be, be saying that? doesn't look like he says that. Could be saying that. The, the, the theory I got from a friend today on text message is what do you think about going into that play? Because that's the pick that he throws to his former teammate, K1, tips it, gets picked by who I forget who even picked it, but he basically just, K1 might have been in a 49er uniform. He fucking threw it right to him. Is that that play call was something Kyle specifically said hit Debo coming across the middle? Like it was a it was a collegiate level. This is the throw you make. Like a, basically a predetermined. Jimmy drops back, throws, kind of plays the blame game. This play sucks, or your plays suck. Like what the fuck are you telling me to do, Kyle? Like I, I was because it was it was such a bad pass. Like. <laughs> Now, the thing is, we've seen Jimmy make similar passes, so it's hard to just be like, well, he would never make that level pass. Like, he's not Brady or Rodgers. But his response feels a little bit like someone told him to throw it. Oh, right? like it's going to be there just... Debo be it. wide open. You know, so-and-so. We've been watching K1 do this in practice for years. He always bites on the out route or whatever. I, I don't know. Because Jimmy's reaction... That, that was a theory that I guess would have some potential validity. I, I would... I do wonder if he'll get asked about it tomorrow, uh, what he was saying. Uh, he'll definitely get asked about it tomorrow. Um, you know, I think uh, here, here's what I would say is like so far in uh, not so far this year, watching that game, a lot of their plays weren't great. A lot of their plays didn't work. And afterwards, we spent time trying to assign blame to Jimmy or to Kyle or the offensive line. But the fact is that a lot of their shit didn't work, right? Like the, the famous Billy Bean quote, my, maybe my shit doesn't work in the playoffs. Their shit was not working against the Denver Well, Broncos that's true, Billy. <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Well, Billy's stuff works for other teams, just not his yeah, team. True. Um, for a variety of reasons, their shit wasn't working. So our plays being like, Kyle, your plays suck, or our plays being nothing is working. If that's what he said, he's not wrong. Because a lot of their plays did not work when they had to work. And some of it was him. A lot of it was him. I Here's the thing about that. You and I were talking about this before we hit record today. Um, there could have been multiple other interceptions in that game. On the first drive, remember, Sertan. Sertan? Sertan? I always say it looks like Sertan, but I feel like Patrick, it's Sertan. Patrick Sertan. Sertan. I've always said Sertan. I think it might be Sertan. I, I mean, his might dad played too. Um, he breaks up a pass to Ayuk that the ball's late and Sertan, you could tell by his reaction. He's he's pretty good. He's pretty good, yeah. You could tell by his reaction, he just kind of had this I'm close. I'm gonna I'm close to picking a ball off today, and it was only the first drive. And then the next play, the DJ Jones deflection. If you watch that, I just went because I, I just went to that uh that part of the game. You can see one of the DBs is coming across. If DJ Jones doesn't deflect the pass at the line of scrimmage early in the game. There's, there might be an interception on that play, too. 
So, you know, the idea that like this was the only ball that was in thrown in harm's way is not the case. A lot of his passes were in harm's way. Well, you can think a guy's really good at his job and he have an awful day because there's no way around it. Kyle Shanahan was shit. Like it, it was really bad. And I, I don't know if I'm saying this guy's name right. Ajiro Evero, mm-hmm. the Broncos defensive coordinator, who was a UC Davis guy, defensive coordinator. He took Kyle's lunch. Just no no different than D'Amico took Nate Hack and Russell Wilson's lunch beside the one drive. Like now the difference in the game was w- when the TD came and the 49ers couldn't afford to give up a TD and Russell pulled it out of his ass. I, I think Russell feels like gets more credit on that drive, right, than the offensive coordinator, where it just felt like D'Amico, for the most part, was in his unit was kicking his ass. Well, beside the one drive that ended in a touchdown, Kyle got punked. Now, Jimmy was obviously playing terrible, but like we said right after the game, and I believe this still 24, 48 hours, I mean, this is 48 hours later, I I just think you got to have something to pull out of your sleeve in that. And Sean McVay has got embarrassed in a Super Bowl. I mean, he he had scored three points. It happens. I'm not pivoting like Kyle, some village idiot. I still think he is one of the better offensive coordinators in the NFL. But more, you have more and more games like that. We're allowed to change our opinion. Right now, I'm going to give it somewhat of a one-off. That wasn't very good. Like it was, it was really, really embarrassing on a play-in, play-out basis. Right? It wasn't even in the the first game. Like there were a couple shots to be hit. Now you could argue there was the one shot with Debo, and and, and he didn't see him. Right when Debo was like got behind the two guys. I think there were three Debo plays well, that play, but also one over the middle, he threw behind one him. over the middle. And then the one down the sideline where Debo beats uh, Josie Jewell and um, has to like lob around to yeah, catch the ball in his chest and fall down. But how often do the 49ers hit that in stride and take it to the house? <laughs> but that's part of why Trey Lance was drafted, right? That's part of why you said, let's not, I don't want to, this is not about Trey, but is because you can't, keep playing with 30 yards of the football field like there's a whole other part of the football field that some teams get to expose but again it's hard to judge the guy on his couple games he had a wide open guy in his game against Chicago and he fucking airmailed him I understand I'm not saying I'm not even making a better or worse comparison so much as after watching several years of Jimmy there's an understanding that there are parts of the field that are just not available to you with any consistency I get I guess my point is in the sport of football you are allowed to be really good and have bad weeks Right. I mean, Andy Reid's yeah. been coaching for what, almost two and a half decades. And he, I mean, he's had bad weeks every year over that time. Like it's, it's, it's part of the deal. Sometimes you get your lunch taken. And this is, this is not a defense of Kyle because I, I, I just said what I thought of his effort on Sunday night. I do believe, and I actually feel very confident about this. One, I, keep an eye on this Broncos defensive coordinator. I mean, I just, you, you and I have spent enough time around UC Davis football coaches. That they tend to be pretty smart guys. And I, I don't think this guy's any different. He's do you know where he came from, guy? He was with the Rams last year. Yeah. I think he was there. Like he's he's highly thought about, and now he's got good players. And I'd read some pretty positive things about him before the season even began. So to me, the defensive coordinator's legit and their players are legit. So they, they didn't just play some random shitty defense. Like one of my issues, like I'm not defending Jimmy, he was terrible as well, but I think the Bears suck. I think their defense sucks. I don't think they're any good. Now, you could say Eberflus, solid defense coordinator. That's fine. They don't have the players. They only scored 10 points. So, and I put that game on Kyle as well because you're dealing with this young quarterback. Figure out a way to get points on the board. Figure out a way. 
You know, you, you, you got too many good players. Get them the ball in different space. I don't know. That's why you get paid all this money. Figure it fucking out. I watched the Rams. Cooper Cup's all over the place, right? And they, that just didn't happen. We talked about it. Uh, was it Sunday night? About like, you got to figure out like, you know, with Debo, it's not, I, I, I don't know. You, you can't just, that wide receiver screen that has hit before. I mean, it honestly saved their season. Remember last year against the Bears? I mean, they were going to lose that game, hits it, and then the rest is kind of history. When you're playing a defense with that much team speed, one of the reasons to me that always works, especially in college, is, you know, like when you're in a, like a team like Oklahoma, like good teams with shitty defenses always get smoked on that play. DBs are way off. They don't have like that many physical tacklers. The guy catches it. One guy gets a block and he makes it 40, 50 yards. When you are playing Sertan and Simmons and then all their defensive linemen can run, that thing closes up like the 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 green grass goes from green grass to like blue jerseys everywhere fast. You know, even if Jimmy had hit him in stride, Debo might have got depleted, right? Those guys were all over his ass. What's going to happen this week? You, you think, you know, where if Jalen Ramsey's with Debo, like he'll be right up in there. So it's I, I, that play. I'm not like saying throw that play in the trash can, but I don't think you can just be like that's outside inside zone and wide receiver screen. Like, no, I, yeah. I think that's a little more trick play than it is just run it all the time as some core tenant of your offense. Yeah, I, I think part of the concern, and we can talk about Debo, but like, how are you going to get him the ball? How are you going to get guys consistently the ball if your pass game, if your pass protection is not going to be good? And if Garoppolo is, I was watching Cooper Rush, who you tried to tell us on Sunday night, eh, pretty good. And I watched him s- swing the ball around on Monday night football. Is his talent any different, Dex, just from a throwing standpoint? Um, You know, I, I don't think so. Watching one offs, no, I do think. Like the great separator is playing. I'm not saying he's a better player. I'm talking about physical physical talent. Yeah, about the same. But again, I mean, I would also add to that. Yeah, being a good player is 50 starts. I'm just talking physical attributes. Got it. Yeah, but I mean, Dax thing is not great physical attributes necessarily, right? Although his physicality, as his body, his mobility, but his arm talent, air quotes. Well, guy, I, I I googled their combine measurements. They're basically the same size. Dak was two twenty eight. He was two twenty five. Dak six two and at three quarters. This guy's six two rounder? and a half. Fifth round, fourth rounder, fifth rounder, fourth rounder. Where Dak ran rush? a four seven nine. This guy ran a four nine two. So Dak's a little faster. I'm just telling you, their measurables and arm strength. I'm not talking the better player. I'm just saying measurables pretty similar. Yeah, interesting. I did watch that game. Now Daniel Jones doesn't throw the ball down the field. But I, you don't. Nobody makes you gasp like Garoppolo when the ball leaves the the TV screen, right? When you don't quite know where's that ball going. So their inconsistency, their inability to really feel like they're ever going to be in a rhythm, in a consistent rhythm with their passing game, meaning they can throw the ball seven, eight, nine, ten times over the course of a drive or two, and you know they're not going to pay the price for a mistake. Is I don't know if it's quite an Achilles heel of this team, but it is just something that has you walk on a tightrope every single week. And luckily for them, their defense is fantastic. But, you know, de- de- now you could argue Denver's defense will be one of the best defenses they play all year, that it may turn out that they are. Maybe they turn out to be the best defense they play all year. The Niners have had one of the easiest schedules in the league to this point. I mean, whatever you think of Denver, ultimately, Denver. Seattle, Chicago. Now, now somebody in the chat said Denver. Chicago's two and one. 
I know. And Denver's a snap uh, some red zone plays away from being three and zero. Chicago okay. stinks. If they tur- if this turns out to be not the third easiest schedule in the league, which it's rated currently, but you know a top fifteen schedule, fine. But to this point, you know, you know the, how many playing? Com- you know how many completions the Bears have this season? Well, they had what like thirteen this weekend. I I, I heard someone say one. Tw- I heard someone say twenty three completions on the season. Yeah, I, I they beat the Texas this week with uh, how many completions? I just wrote, I wrote it down on Sunday with eight. They Justin Fields was eight of seventeen against the Texans this Sunday for one oh six, no touchdowns, two picks. So I, I think the point on Denver, and this is why you're not letting them off the hook with Denver, is like even if Denver's grief defense is great, you played an incomplete team, and uh, you're supposed to be a complete team. Whatever you think of Chicago or Seattle, they are these are incomplete teams. You will play some complete teams like the Rams and the Chiefs and the Chargers. Now we'll see what the Chargers are. But did you find a number on that? Fields is 23 of uh, 45 for uh, 51%. Wow. 23 completions. Two two touchdowns, both against the Niners, four picks. Now, I've said to be coming into the season, not giving him a pass, he is dealing with the least, right? Defensive yep. head coach, brand new, no weapons, worst offensive line. It's not, he's, I'm not, I think a lot of people, I mean, I saw Shady McCoy shitting on him. A lot of people are going to shit on him because his numbers are going to be atrocious. He is dealing with the, the shittiest hand. Like even when Zach Wilson comes back, I mean, they got multiple receivers. They drafted a couple running backs. They signed a tight end. Like at least he's got, I mean, Garrett Wilson looks pretty good. They had the game winning touchdown a couple weeks ago. Like, he has something like do you know. Do you know what Justin Fields would do for Garrett Wilson? Or how about what? How about what the Eagles have? Just adding AJ oh. Brown to go with Devontae Smith? Yeah, it's just it, it's not. I'm not giving him a pass because I do think there's you know I think football people have some concerns with him, but he ain't dealing with Debo Ayuk and Kittle. You know, even Jeff Wilson. I mean, Jeff Wilson would be the best running back on the Bears. I think we were uh, Wilson text- actually looks a little faster. Given that. He, he, did. he had the longest run of his career, whatever that was, 34, 37 yards. That run in the game was the longest run of his career. How about that? Um, I think, does that kind of, like, does he, if he's your starting running yeah, back, you're dealing you. with probably a third stringer. You and I were texting, I think we were texting, maybe we were talking about, you know, Jimmy comes back, second wind, thought he was going to be gone. His brothers had packed up all his boxes. He's on his way out. He says his goodbyes. Then he comes back, then Trey gets hurt, then he's back, boom, and he wins the game. Is he just going to play free and easy and weight off his shoulders, and I'm letting it rip, baby? Austin on the stream says, uh, do you guys think Kyle treats 7 nothing leads like he's up 30 to nothing? The conservative decisions, especially on first down play calls, drive me crazy. Maybe there was some element with Garoppolo of like, hey, we had this great drive, let me keep, let me keep cooking, quote-unquote. Now, whether you and I or anybody else agrees that he can cook is a separate conversation. But I do wonder, is there some frustration? Did he feel like there should have been a more aggressive mindset from the Niners offense after they had that one that one great drive? Yeah, I saw someone uh, put it out on social media of, now I don't always agree with these, but you know the, the analytical community has basically, did you get it right or wrong when you punted or mm-hmm. kicked the field goal? Basically like, gives you a plus or minus on the field on the fourth down short yardage stuff. And obviously Kyle just, you don't even need to see the stats. He leans on conservative. He's less likely, I would say over his career to go for it. 
is dead last in the league so far through three games of of making the right decision. Now, I, I'd have to look back at the other two games. Like th- last week's game, there is a balance of you're in such a low-scoring game, you do have to be smart about it. But as we said on Sunday night, there is a balance of just holding on to the rope and hoping it doesn't fucking break and you fall down through the cliff. And that's kind of what it, he just held on till the end. Then the rope ended up breaking and he died. Right. Instead of like, yes, hey, man, maybe you should try to climb out of this and maybe once or twice go forward in a situation and maybe you get a kill shot. Maybe you break a big play. Maybe I don't know. One of your star fucking players makes a play because that's ultimately what happened and decided the game for the Broncos. His star player made a couple plays. And so did their, their receivers like Sutton and Judy are pretty big time. Now, I would say that. If you just pulled the league, Debo and Ayuk, would you take Debo and Ayuk or Sutton and Judy? You know, I personally would take Debo and Ayuk. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But my point is two group groups eventually to kind of lean on those two guys to make some sweet plays. And I, I think Javante Williams, or it might have been Melvin Gordon, whoever scored the game winning touchdown. I mean, they were basically at the once they got that far down, like Jeff Wilson could have scored, like any running back could have scored there, but they got there because of the passing game. And now you could argue that it was outside the context of the offense. It kind of was in the one where he kind of scrambled around. But that's where you're. That's your point. Is like you you have to account for the fact that just because Russell is bad for three quarters, if you're in a seven or ten or a one score game, all he has to do is make a single play, which he can do. Yeah, but but even this week, Stafford. Like I watched that Arizona game. He had on third down. He airmails Cup. I mean, by about forty yards. It was one of the worst throws of the day. The very next play. He does like a 360 in the pocket, spins around, and just throws an incredible dart for a first down. And I, I, I do think, you know, now that Russell isn't quite the magical, you know, runner that he once was, the difference of him and Stafford just in terms of scrambling around behind the line of scrimmage might not be that different. I mean, Stafford can keep plays alive just with his feet. Like that's something you got to account for. I do think that, you know, I mean, last year it's going to be interesting. Like. Cooper Cup was just uncoverable for the Niners. It felt like in the uh, definitely in the playoff game, but even that game that I went to week 18, like he killed them. They ended up winning the game, but he was just eviscerating them. That if they can just neutralize him a little bit more, but you got to play pedal to the metal. You know, I, you yeah. just, I, I, I do think it's weird, right? For this young gun, like, did you see Dan Campbell? They had, uh, it was basically fourth and three, I think. He kicked a field goal, long field, longer field goal. might have been like 45 to 50 yards. The guy ends up missing it. They're all, instead of going up six, they're only up three. Cousins leads him on the game-winning. It wasn't even a game-winning drive. He hit like three plays. One, the, the game-winning touchdown was a pretty long bomb. Yeah. And Campbell said after the game, like, I immediately apologized to my team. I fucked up. Yeah. And I do think he's being honest. Like, he realized, yeah. like, I'm – we, I can't be a pussy for this team to win, and he's right. right. Yep. We, especially when you're not as good, you have no reason – I also think when you're Kyle, like one thing Belichick really, they started separating themselves like in the mid to late 2000s was, wouldn't you say Bill? Bill was pretty, now he had Tom, but they tended to lean aggressive. Well, he had, I think, I don't think it was the first one, but in my time covering, you know, like being in media, his Kevin Falk go for it on fourth and one from his own, whatever it was, 30 yard line, because he didn't want to give Peyton Manning the ball back was the first like real big controversial go for it play that I remember. I, you know what play I'm talking about? 
Yeah, it was like a quick little out to the running back, and he, he dropped it there. or whatever. Yeah, he just didn't get Kevin oh, Falk. He didn't it. get there. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think. I think but, it was fourth and two. Like maybe it was two. Yeah, but it, it wasn't like, long. It was like a minute left, and he's like, Peyton Manning has been slicing and dicing me all day. I'm not giving it back to him. But you're, to your point, just to support your point, yeah, I agree with that point. I think he probably was. Now, maybe the game is evened a little because everybody now has the same. You know, Ernie Adams was crunching those numbers for Bill in a dungeon somewhere. Now everybody's got Ernie Adams, right? But 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 here's my thing. Like there there is, I haven't watched every Charger snap, but in that Chiefs game, he was punting at times where last year he was consistently going for it. And I think he viewed his argument was like, in theory, our defense a lot better than it was last year that I, I got to pick my spots. I'm not just for recklessly always go for it, right? And, and in a game like Sunday night or uh, Monday night football, which clearly like anyone that gets close to 20 is winning this thing, let alone like 15 points probably wins it. Turns out in the Niner game, 11 points win it. The Cowboys, I think, what they score twenty three, but what it was twenty three to thirteen was that the final score? Like, I mean, it's you just have to like it. It to me in the NFL more than college. Like, it's once you get to like mid third quarter, you're like, okay, I got a pretty good idea what number we got to get to. And I feel sometimes Kyle just like, I hope this number we're on right now can get us there. And I, I'm not saying ideally he wants to score points and do it, but he knows like his confidence level in his quarterback, and it kind of flipped immediately. Like he got into a tighter game. Like, I don't trust Jimmy, and I get it, but you, you can't, like, Kyle, you got no shot if that's how you're going to play and just hope your defense is basically the 0-1 Ravens. And let's face it, they're not because Russell beat them. You know, I, mean, I was texting with Greg Popple last night, and I said, what a performance by D'Amico in the defense. Like, well, you got to finish. And even I thought, like, that's pretty harsh. I mean, got to finish. I mean, they gave up one touchdown drive. But I think true football people, and I bet Fred Warner and those guys, like, that that's unacceptable. We, we can't give up that touchdown drive. Because the only way we're winning that game is on us tonight. Right. And it's true, but even I tell them, I'm like, guys, I mean, fuck. Well, yeah. I, I, no, you're right. I agree with that, what you were going to say there. But I also think there's. It's like losing a baseball game two to one and you give up a home run in the eighth sure. inning. Like, I pitched great, but it yeah, was but a one just pitch. Know, but you know when you're in the game that, you're in a, that one pitch is going to make the difference. And I think that's probably what that game was like. If you had said ahead of time, hey, guys, uh, you're going to give up one touchdown today, take it or leave it, you would take it. But at the same time, once you're in that game, you realize this is what it's going to take to win this game. That's what it was going to take to win the game. It's not, I think you come out of it going, they're clearly a good enough defense to help the Niners compete. Right. To me, if on both sides, like both those two defenses feel like pretty high level. Like if I'm, if I'm a fan of those might be one of those of the teams, top five defenses in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I think they are. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at ButcherBox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. Butcherbox is offering you 
free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bills, I mean, they've lost half their team. You see that? I mean, they've lost multiple DBs. One of them's on IR. Poyer's banged up. It's like they're, they're losing guys left and right. Chargers, too. Chargers have lost a bunch of guys. I mean, Niners, too. <laughs> Trent yeah. Williams, Al Shire. Al Shire's out, what, two months? Trent Williams, high ankle sprain, going to be a while. Um, obviously, Jimmy Ward, who knows? Now, it's actually the Jimmy Ward one has not been an issue. Right. The corners are, are, up, are upgraded in a major way. Right. And I, I would say their safety play through the first three games has been excellent. Right. Hufunga has been a monster. He has been a monster. And he has been excellent. <laughs> he has been, he is clearly, I would say, league wide shocked people by how good he's been as an NFL player. Because the way he played at USC, I think he, I think he was 15 at USC. Does that sound correct? Sounds correct. It felt like when you watch USC during the Clay Helton era for a couple of years when they were just pretty average, he he made so many plays. And I think the knock on him was like, you know, tweener, not big enough to play linebacker, but he's not going to be fast enough to play safety. And it's it's why scheme fit in the NFL is so big. Like, yeah, he's never going to play like Ed Reed. He's never going to travel like Earl Thomas and cover ground. But if you leave him up near the line of scrimmage, why is it so hard to run on the Niners? Well, they got a good defensive line. They have excellent linebackers, and they got Hufunga. I mean, it's like, holy shit. It's going to be, you're going to have to pass on them, and then they feel pretty good about their DBs, and if you're passing consistently, the Niners pass rushing their DBs. So it's crazy. They have a major issue right now. It's all offense, 
And he would say, luckily, and this is back to what we were talked about originally, I'm not going to act like this guy, just some scrub now. Like, I, I don't I don't view Kyle Shanahan like Chip Kelly was once a genius and was taking the sport by storm. Now I would say if you just pulled most people, they would say, yeah, he never changed, he never adapt. He's been doing the same things. And uh, well, hopefully Washington kicks his ass Friday night. But that's me talking. Uh, ultimately, like Kyle Shanahan has always had different pitches, adapted. But you lose Trent Williams, like that immediately – throws off your run game. Obviously, from a passing standpoint, with a passer who's pretty flawed, you're going to be in situations where on the left side and now the right side are both can be liabilities on any given play. Because for Trent Williams to get beat, like that's the highlight of one of that pass rusher's year, right? <laughs> now it's like McKivitz. You got to be – imagine being – over the next month, every team that plays the 49ers, if being in the D-line room and getting ready for that week, like – 71's not playing like obviously like this week the Rams like how excited that defensive line is <laughs> they got to be circling like we're winning this game I, I bet the number one thing that Raheem Morris and that unit is saying is like we're going to take control of this game right we're going to fucking overwhelm them because it felt like early on don't you think that's what D'Amico's telling his guys 100% but well that's what the Niners have been telling everybody for the last several years they have just had when their offensive line has been solid right it was overload McGlinchey side. And what happened before Trent Williams got injured? When some of their pressures, it was like they were kind of loading up on the right side over Burford and McGlinchey. And it was, they were getting pressure, smoking McGlinchey and causing havoc. That's where the safety came from. Now, like why I would treat them both as equals. <laughs> It'd be, we'd be equal opportunists. We'll come from both sides. Why would you waste time over 71? And definitely last year, 71 and Tomlinson. It yeah, was like, part of, that was a core side. That was one of the best. I would imagine that was one of the better left and right, or I mean, left guard, left tackles co- combination. Might have yeah. been t- number one in the league. Yeah. Now this week, I mean, it's, it's probably like potentially, it's like the Rams. It's shitty. The reason you waste time over there is because they're going to run that way. Right? The reason you line up against 71 is because they're going to run behind them. Yeah, you got to overload, especially when 85 is over there. Well, they the Niners ran a play of the day where it was 71, 85, 89, 44. It was Trent, two tight ends, and, Ju- and Juice next to him. And yeah. what, uh, it, I watched the play. I took a, I'm like, well, I wonder where they're running on this play. And, of course, they ran it right behind Trent. Well, see, see my issue, like, I am not some 2022 passing game elitist. That just you and I have talked about the scoring, but even just the way you play, you know, I, the the analytical guys think that the ratio should be like three to one. That they aren't, they don't believe in running the ball. Like that's a huge thing. Andy Reid's like, yeah, I've been thinking like that since the '80s, since I played at uh, BYU. But Kyle is the opposite, right? And I'm all for plays like that because I not only think it's important to be able to execute plays like that in short yardage, uh, but it's also important to play like that and set a tone for your team. Because one thing the Niners have had in their success in the playoffs two of the last three years, right, has been physicality. They've really hung their hat on that and shoved teams around physically. They were tougher than the Cowboys. They were tougher than the Packers. They were better than their – they were much better than their opponents in 19, but they shoved around Minnesota and they shoved around the Packers. I'm also – I would say this to Kyle, and I'm not acting like, you know, just because we talk about football. I understand Kyle knows more about football than me. But, like, that's the game that, especially by the time, like, halftime, I don't think you're going to be able to shove it down these guys' throats. Like, they're like, we'll fucking, 
you're going to play like Chuck Liddell. We'll swing like Chuck Liddell. Let's keep throwing body blows. We, we want to play like that. Yeah. And the Broncos, led by this UC Davis guy, but it doesn't matter who your defensive coordinator is. It's what You do have to have the horses on defense. They were like, we're in for a heavyweight fight. They, honestly, you they can were tell kinda, with with Gregory and Chubb, and obviously they've got. Did they feel like mirror images like of the Niners' Niners defense? Sertan <laughs> is just that guy's been swaggy since day one. I mean, he's always believed in himself. I mean, guy's right? dad was a Pro Bowler. I mean, you guys probably you see that uh, that Instagram of the kid going to the flag football game dressed in a suit with the headphones. No, I put it on my Instagram story. I think Sports Center put it out. It's pretty good. He's like, that's good. My my sixth grader headed to the flag football game. It's him walking out of the house with a rolling bag and in a suit with a headphones. But but the point is like Patrick Sertan the second. Now we don't know how to dad, say we're saying it in between. I know he's sweet. <laughs> he's sweet. Yeah. Remember they they took him. Like everyone's like, you're not taking Justin Fields. They're like no, we're gonna get a generational corner here. Yeah, we're gonna get our the next champ Bailey of the Broncos. Right. right. It's um, clear he is. Al Shire also injured. I mentioned that. Maybe. I mean, one thing, we went to a lot of 49ers practices. Their backup linebacker group, this is, you know, they've developed linebackers pretty well for several years now. Remember two years ago, they cut a linebacker who immediately got signed um, at their uh, at the final cutdowns before the season began. This year, I think it's pretty clear speed is on their side when it comes to their linebackers. Flanagan Fowles, Oren Burks, uh, McCrary Ball. So I Maybe they'll be able to the drop off while Alshire was a clear starting player is not what although you know there might not be a drop off in the league like Trent Williams to whoever's next at left tackle for the Niners, but maybe that one's not quite as bad. They, we'll they have listen. There are injuries all over the NFL. I mean, a ton of teams are missing players left and right, and I, I don't think the way the Titan just went down for the Chargers too. For the so they, they lost three guys. Yeah. I mean, have you seen jo- – I haven't seen Joey Bosa's injury, but Slater's out for the season. Slater's out. out for the season. Yep. Herbert, you know, struggles to breathe every other day because his ribs are fucking shattered, cartilage. There is – and they aren't alone, right? I mean, Jets, missing players. You just go – the, the Sterling Patriots Shep- I was Shepard getting hurt on Monday Night Football. Like the last play of the game? I, I missed it. Jogging. I, the game was kind of over, so I stopped paying attention. And then I look back, and the cart's out there. What the fuck happened? Just a, truly just jogging. I text our buddy Cam Morrell. I'm like, Cam, because he knows all about it. He's in oh, the, it's turf the turf. Ball. It's the turf. And I was like, all right, the turf can't be responsible for this one. He wasn't cutting. Nothing happened. He's like, well, actually, they replaced the fill on that turf to like a bunch of sand because so the, the rubber so was the flying give. everywhere. So there's no give. And these guys are just such, he said, so when you extend your leg like that, you're just kind of, if there's not going to be any give, you're just at risk. So he does, he does think the turf is to blame on that one too, even though it looks like pretty innocuous. Jesus. But yeah, bad. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted your point about it. I do just, well, I just believe that the league and the owners don't truly care, even though they kind of should. I mean, these are their players and the reason they're going to win. The way this, the schedule of training camp now, and I'm not acting like I could survive an NFL practice. Nobody is. Even personnel people and GMs, most of them didn't play in the NFL. I, I would imagine under half people in front offices played in the NFL. But like, if you've been around the sport long enough, there is a balance of being junction boys, which no one – I mean, these every coach you talk to, whether it's a high school guy to the pros, hydration, pushing the right foods, the sleep, like get home, get to sleep – it's, it's why I am so adamant about throwing out the fucking rule of tossing college players. 
At this point in time, no one is hurting anybody. Everyone's following the rules. We need to adapt. You, you watch all college and pro games. Helmet to helmet, to me, are pretty freaky now. They, they are. These players know they've been coached now. You you got to change that. It is so unfair to the majority of college players that will never play in the NFL to lose a game. It is nothing makes me more mad. At least the NFL, you don't toss guys out of the game. But I just think everyone is playing the right way. But you still, you go from barely practicing in training camp. Most of these, even Kyle, I mean, goes like two pads on, then one day off, and then they get a day off just because the league mandate is to just these games that are just, you're just playing Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, full speed. Bodies flying everywhere. You hear last night, uh, I know you were watching the Manning cast, but Troy, early on in the game, you know, Parsons, like every other play, just like, Jesus Christ, was like, well, he runs a 4-3, guys. So every time he steps on the field, more than likely, there is not another player at any position on the other team that's on the field against him, 11 guys, that is faster than him. He's And he's a stand-up pass rusher. Now, he is on the high end of speed, but like, Randy Gregory's the Nick Bosa. These guys are no longer like four eight guys. They are four five guys. So the speed in which everyone is colliding, the violence is clearly not the same as the the NFL hits we grew up on in like the late 80s, 90s, the VHS tapes that we all had that like hits of the decade, guys getting killed, right? At the vet or at MetLife, or it wasn't, you know what I mean. Not MetLife, but but the speed Metal in life. the speed in which the collisions are happening now have never been faster. It's just, it's just. Do you do you do you agree with me? Because I feel sometimes that you are cool with guys getting tossed. You know the college rule. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't upset me as much as it upsets you. No, I think it upsets a lot of people. Because a guy a guy losing the ability, the guy got thrown out of a game for not trying yeah. to hurt anybody. Yeah. I generally don't like it. I don't hate it as much as you do. I you know I um, well I hate it because I think it's so unfair to the human. Right. Not, no mean, one's trying to hurt anybody. Yeah, for the most part, I don't think guys are trying to hurt. There are hits where you go, that's idiotic. But I think most of them are more incidental. I, I don't like how much the how hard it is for defensive players on sliding quarterbacks, even though that one probably even makes more sense to, to protect the quarterbacks. I tend to hate a lot of those calls because I think it's almost impossible for some of these guys to know what the quarterback's about to do. There was a play last night where Daniel Jones slid, and you could tell the DB, the, the defender laid up, but he kind of reacted like, I mean, he easily, Daniel Jones could have just run right by me. There's nothing I would have done because I just, I guessed that he was going to slide. Well, college changed that rule. I don't think the pros did, right? The Kenny Pickett rule, the fake slide. Yeah, I don't know. If the, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't, I don't think Col- it's an NFL rule. But college change. It's a college right? rule. You can't fake slide. You're just down where you fake yeah. slid. Yeah. And that yeah. was a pretty unique play for Kenny. But um, I, but he knew what he was doing. 100% he knew what he was doing. I'm just saying that play, I think, generally, it's pretty hard to pull off. It yeah. just it kind of worked out perfectly for him. I don't think he did it like went into the run. Maybe he did. I don't know. Um, but th- there are some hits in college that I go disqualifying the players extremely harsh. There are some hits where I think, yeah, I'm not going to, I don't feel too bad for him. That was a bullshit hit, but not all of them for sure. But even if it's a bullshit hit, disqualified is a pretty punitive. Oh, it's very punitive. But I think you also understand, like we know what the rule is going in. But that's what I'm saying. But now it's like, it's 2022. Everyone's been coached now for more than half a decade. Like everyone's on the same page. 
unless it is just an all-time egregious thing. Like there's still a lot of crown. Hit. I still see a lot of crown hits. Well, but it's football. Like what? It's fully it's, down it, like that. Just, well, like they're, they're, we're still dealing with humans. Well, of course, know? and that's why I, you know, I, I understand why you can't put, um, intent into the rule because how can you possibly know? But there are definitely times where I watch it and think the in, the intent is not there to hurt anybody. But this is the result of well, for sure. everybody just covering their ass. You know, honestly, there's hits in the NFL constantly that I'm like, whoa. But college geez. is never. But, co- but the thing was, college, no one's ever got sued or anything. The no, NFL lost just, their ass, quote unquote, trying to do the right thing. You know, because at the end of the day, it's the it's it's the operate it's the uh, the machine over the individual, right? And the good thing, I guess, they did. They have changed the rule over time where they were at first it wasn't reviewable. Then obviously was after the first year, the last several years, definitely reviewable and guys don't get tossed as much anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They go now. The it hood. used to be that the play on the field had to automatic be toss. Yeah. Now it's you have to have clear. But I, I thought there was one the other day that I didn't like. But anyway. That they tossed a guy that I didn't think. Hey, everybody's just cool with guys losing games. No, I'm not cool with it. I just have accept. I'm just, I don't get that mad about it because we all know what the rule is going in. Um, But yeah, there are times where I don't think guys should get tossed. Absolutely. Well, when it's AFC, NFC, when the Big Ten and the SEC. Well, 100%. There are games. That's getting tossed. There there are games in the NFL where I'm like, thank God that rule doesn't exist because guys would get. I, I would guess whenever we morph into whatever who even knows what we're ultimately morphing into some rules get changed. Right. Yeah. Well, the coaches don't want that rule. No, what's well, just, it's just very unfair to a kid. Cause again, most of these guys, like they have a finite number of games left in their life in college. Like they're never playing. They're not pro football players. Most safeties you see get tossed on a given week are not going to go play in the NFL. I, it really bothers me too, like in a bowl game. It's like the last game of the you're tossing this guy out of a bowl yeah, game. Yeah, college playoff game. <laughs> oh my God, what are no. we doing? And you really could give a sufficient punishment that doesn't involve, you know, you could make it a 30. I wouldn't do this, but, you know, you could make the penalty pretty severe without having a guy disqualified from the game. Yeah. Um, but the reason I don't argue about it, because then we end up going about it for 20 minutes in circles. Uh, but I think most people feel like you feel about it. I think most people hate it, which I understand. I'm just pro I, kids. I hate you know, it. I'm pro kids. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a little more ruthless. Anti, anti kids. Yep, anti, anti the kids. Uh, no, I'm pro the other kid. I'm pro protecting the kid. I could argue that. I guess. I feel like in college, it's rare. In the NFL, there is a lot of like guys laying lifeless. Even still, I not as often. I feel in college football, guy just laying on the ground. Um, for a big I hit. Think my first reaction is that you're. I think you're right about that. Yeah, I feel it's less likely to just the decleater. I saw Did a guy who just gave uh, the hit the other head? day. Yeah, I saw a guy who gave the hit the other day. Hit the ground, you know, like that. Yeah, and that's popped. what happens sometimes more in college. Remember the was it the Oregon State Fresno State game where a guy got destroyed and the Oregon State guy was all fucked up. Yeah, yeah. In the pros, typically the dude taking him out unless he gets collateral damage. Like the DB jumps up and starts pumping his chest, and the offender is dead. W- was that Monday night football last night where Saquon collided with one of the Cowboys' safeties, and they both just kind of like, Ugh. did you see that play? No. I think that was last night. What was some of the Sunday night game? Could it have been Sunday night football? It was Niners, Broncos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
that game? I don't remember that game. Yeah, it was Monday night. And so one of the dudes hit Saquon, boom, and he just kind of like, uh, they both just kind of, I think maybe maybe it was Peyton or Aikman, I don't remember who I was watching that time, just said, uh, you know, he did not, he expected to end up on the ground after the hit. And he, both of them just were standing. That's how Papa and I started talking. A text came out after Saquon had the sweet run where he broke a tackle, made a guy miss, and ran around like five other guys for a touchdown. Just pops up on my phone. What would it take to get Saquon? And I'm like, well, as long as they're competitive. Did the Niners have the chance to do that? Yeah, they ain't trading for him. Remember Jimmy G for Saquon? Wasn't that somebody's trade idea? I, I had a buddy that texted me, you know, the two best players last night were Penn State guys on the field. That's a good call. How many games did they win together at Penn State? I don't think they really crossed over. Maybe like Micah's first year. Yeah. Saquon went to the fifth year, didn't he? Yes. Saquon was absolutely incredible in college. I just feel like Micah didn't quite get the chance because COVID happened. Like, I I really do believe if he plays senior year, he goes like fourth. Uh, If Kyle Pitts can go fourth, Micah part. Yeah, he went 12, I think. Crazy. Crazy because he is physically just remarkable. Yeah, played more like he was playing a little more like Fred Warner in college. Yeah, now, but now he's teams already project guys like they. I know. Penn State sometimes they can like it's just kind of a weird place. I, I get. I mean Saquon went too. Now Saquon in college though was like Ohio State busting eighty yard runs. Like he was every single week jumping over guys and remember like the lifting videos of like did you just see Saquon squatted. 7,300 pounds, and the whole team's around. It's like, whoop, whoop. It's like, Jesus. He's pretty special when he's right. Even last night, he the knock on him was like Adrian Peterson. He wouldn't pass block. And even last night, Troy's like, look at that effort. He he got in front of uh, – I didn't realize the bar guy from UCLA is now on the Cowboys. Takes on bar. Gets kind of destroyed, but he took him on. Anthony. Anthony Barr. Yeah. Had a good run with the Vikings. Uh, John, I think Thursday night – the Dolphins and Bengals play Thursday night. I, I, one of the storylines coming out of that game might be, especially if the Dolphins play well again, even though you could argue they should be one and two, not three and oh. Um, do the Niners miss Mike McDaniel? I, I had somebody text me that yesterday, just like, how much do you think this matters? And I said, well, how much do you? It was a coach, college coach. I said, well, how much do you think it matters? And his response was, well, I mean, it was basically his run game guy for 10 years. So I think it probably matters a little bit. And I do wonder if it matters, especially when you're trying to find answers. Like, it's one thing when everything's rolling. Did you ask Lincoln if he'd ever lost a guy like that in his tenure? Lincoln Riley? Yeah. He said when he – Drew Hill, losing Drew Hill, Uh, who texted me the other night, by the way, Uh, our boy. But um, I think that's definitely going to become a story if the Niners continue to struggle on offense and the Dolphins keep winning games. And you could argue, even if neither of those things happen, if Mike McDaniel is everything that Andrew Hawkins and – Kyle Juszczyk and everybody else says he is, how could you not miss him on some level? Well, Tariko had a comment on Sunday Night Football about Brian Greasy for the last, he traded in his makeup for a headset. He said that, and he's factually correct. He wore makeup in his career after football, which for the last decade been calling football games. And for a long period, remember, Brian Greasy, while an NFL player and an NFL starting quarterback for a period of time, called college games. So it's not like the entire, like say this for John Lynch. John Lynch was around the NFL game the moment he started calling games, right? So he was just around coaches and GMs. Greasy did, if I am I wrong, called college games, I feel like for a long period yeah, of time. No, you're right. So then he'd only done the pros for those couple years with Monday Night Football. And 
then he becomes a coach. There is no way that Brian Greasy, and I'm not saying they're depending on Brian Greasy to be McDaniel, but you just add a guy like that, what's he bringing to the table on a weekly basis? Because part of getting good at a job, whether you're a coach, whether you're a fucking podcaster, whether you're a player, is just stacking bricks and just having the experience of knowing what you need to do. And there is Mike McDaniel has spent Monday and Tuesday of the NFL season in a dark room with probably Skittles, Diet Coke, waters, and freezing cold AC pumping in there and shorts and a t-shirt watching film for a decade plus. And that's crafting stuff. And that's just during the season. Imagine the off season. He's used to doing plays, doing the reviews, doing the OTA growth, during the training camp adapt. So just the, how is there not just a gigantic drop-off? Just from a schematic, like, hey, Kyle, uh, walk down to his office, like, hey, man, I just saw this, this, I I think this is going to, and Kyle's like, no, it was like three years ago when he came down to his office, saw something similar, and it works. I fucking love it. Mark that down. We'll we'll install that. We'll hit that. We'll hit that at practice tomorrow. Like th- there is, I'm not against hiring. Like I'm not acting like Brian Greasy was just some guy off the street. Like I think some people might. Like that's insane hire. I don't necessarily think it's an insane hire, but there is just going to be a lack of ability of him just based on experience to add stuff. The other thing is, I don't care who you are, and Brian is not like Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or anything. Does he feel comfortable immediately year one just around, like, not even Kyle, like Forrest or other guys that have been coaching for 30 years just to be like, I think we should do this. Where Mike would, you know, after a certain point in time, once you realize you're pretty good at it, you're like, no, coach, I think we should do this. And Forrester's like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen over time. But like week three, like, is that happening right? It, does Brian Greasy just have the self-confidence as a coach to just be like, I kind of like breaking this one off at seven. Do you, do you, could we get McGlinchey to drop his, just to go a little quick set? You know, just things that like coach, you know, that like you doing cow games. There is a level of like uh, Musgrave and Wilcox talking true football shit that they can talk at a level of Musgrave has been coaching for 20 plus years. And Wilcox, once he finishes playing college has been coaching for almost since the moment he was done playing football, that they, there's just a football level interaction, having been around football coaches that how would Brian Greasy have that pitch in his bag this early into his coaching career? Now, maybe if he coaches, let's say Brian Greasy goes on that 20 year coaching career, maybe gets head coach one day, he'll go, you know, early on, I was green, didn't know what was going on. But Mike McDaniel right now, like Mike McDaniel didn't have his job. But my point is like, yeah, Brian Greasy is really Rich Scangarello's replacement, right? But even Rich Scangarello, like he is the offensive coordinator right now for one of the best teams in college football. Like, could Brian Greasy do that right now? I think it's fair to say no, right? Could could Brian Greasy have been the offensive coordinator right now for Kentucky and then be as good with Levis and those guys? No, his just basic understanding of the operation of being a coach would be way behind right yeah let alone but, but installing I it, stuff and, but i think it's like even if you go okay bobby slowick now does this or one of your offensive line coaches helps you do this clearly kubiak's kids on the staff yeah clay clearly just the what mike mcdaniel brings in combination with kyle with bobby slowick with clay like that who to me it's less about greasy so much as it is who is who helps kyle 
do things like really helps Kyle and Mike McDaniel really helped Kyle. He just took run game off of Kyle's plate till like Thursday. Right. Didn't even have to think about it and clearly really understood the game in a way that other people don't understand the game. Did you see that Andrew Hawkins clip the other day on Rich Eisen, which he said that he played on the Browns. Mike McDaniel was the receiver coach for a year or for the year that Andrew Hawkins was there. And he's like one of the first meetings McDaniel said, all the stuff you think about receiver play, like forget it. We're going to do everything the opposite. You know, it was like very Steve Jobs. It's like when you show up at the Seals, like forget everything you know. That's right. Every, listen from here on out. What you like, think, okay, yeah. <laughs> Just trust me, boys. But he said it was true. Like, like, uh, yeah, that's like seven years ago. I, right? I know. That's, think of, he said he says a savant, but he said basically he would tell us before a game. Hey, guys, there's like three different types of releases we use depending on who we're playing based on the corner's tendencies. And he would just tell us before a game, today you're using this is the release you'll use against this guy, and this is the release you'll use against that guy. And Andrew Hawkins like, he was right. It worked. Like, he he was 100% right. And um, he said he's the first guy that when we started learning releases, he was showing us Allen Iverson tape. That's how he taught us releases because he's – that's how you're creating space like a basketball player. So here is Kyle, who obviously is part of who Mike learned from, right? Mike McDaniel, some of what is in Kyle's head got transferred to Mike. But I think it's pretty clear that Mike is a unique brain. And how could Kyle, who maybe sometimes needs somebody to tell him, here's a different way to do it or no, you know, it's not just the brain. It's that Kyle had, Mike had so much equity with Kyle, right? If anybody was going to tell Kyle on offense, no, Mike McDaniel was probably that guy. Well, one guy that they added that we haven't mentioned yet is Anthony Lynn, who, you know, has been a running back. To me, he is a guy that has no problem injecting a belief in a meeting, right? His confidence level, like he's, he was a run game coordinator when Rex Ryan and the Jets had the number one running offense. But the difference, I would say, of the 49ers sometimes and like that Jets team, back with Sanchez when they were the number one running offense was they had an offense, awesome offensive line and they just ran it down your throat. Kyle does that, but he also has like, you know, pitches off the main run. Like they, they are, they do slam you, but they also kind of hit you with jabs too. You know, it's, it's like an intellectual run game, right? Especially now that Trent's out, like they're going to have to, it's going to kind of be bobbing and weaving more than just like, we're going to run power down your throat every single play. Like that's just that's definitely not happening with Trent Williams out, right? It's just like we'll just run behind 71, put Kittle over there and slam it down their throat. Like McKibbitz, like, are we sure that he can just hold the point? I don't know. Well, time will tell. Yeah, it is gonna take some more creativity. So and a huge when I think Mike McDaniel, I think creativity. You know, and I, that to me, and you just I mean, let's face it, listen to him talk. <laughs> Part of last year, wouldn't you say why he kind of became this brand that translated like people kind of like it him? Because he was just intellectually sounded a little bit different. And I know a lot of people in the NFL, younger people, you know, our age group that I know, that I don't want to say we're rooting against them, but, you know, sometimes like, oh, give me a fucking break. This guy's going to take over the league or this guy. Because the media liked him just because he was different. That's why you and I liked him. That's why most people like it. was just it was refreshing to just see something different. And I, I think That's what they said people, about Staley, too. I would say he feels a lot different than Brandon Staley. I agree, when they I talk. agree with that, but I, I think that was part of the Staley attraction, right? Is that he was he was so forthcoming and transparent for sure, and, that, and that's why well, a lot of people. 
the difference was Mike McDaniel came with, uh, maybe Staley did too, you tell me, but McDaniel came with a lot of like player wrecks, right? Like players were saying like, this guy is a genius. Yeah, I don't remember that happening with Brandon Staley. I don't either, but maybe we missed it. Sorry, keep going. And part of that is like, he does benefit from Andrew Hawkins is like a, but I mean, even before, guy. right? Like yeah. Juice and Ki- like these guys, all Trent Williams. The 49ers guy loved him. Yeah. Like he's a lovable guy. I think he's pretty good at his job. I, I don't think it's disputable that it's a loss. It's a loss. And, you know, you can say that like they replaced Rich Gangarello, who, you know, is an offensive coordinator for a team that probably going to win 10 plus games in the SEC for Brian Greasy. Like that's a drop off. Like, it just is. From a coaching perspective, it's a drop-off. And then losing Mike, like, would you say if NFL teams, these two guys, and I'm not disrespecting Anthony Lynn because I I did when he was a head coach. I thought it was pretty embarrassing, as most people did, the operation. He is well-respected as a human in the league, and, like, people, you know, value him as, like, a position coach. If you just went to, like, Howie Roseman, John Robinson, John Schneider, you just went around, like, I'm going to give you an assistant coach. Who would you rather hire, Mike McDaniel or Anthony Lynn? I, I would imagine. I'm not even talking about your head coach. I'm just saying a guy to add to your offensive staff. It does feel like even before this Miami 3-0, and I'm talking up until last year, doesn't it feel like Mike McDaniel probably would get hired? Yeah, I mean, especially because just the the Shanahan, LaFleur, McVay, just based on that alone, right? That yeah. might be enough to get him hired. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I also think right now is a time where you need Mike McDaniel. Now, maybe it's just one game, and the Broncos' defense is very good, and the Niners' offensive line was uh, compromised, and the pass game did not give the Broncos any reason to be afraid. But Debo Samuel and and the Debo Samuel run game did not look on Sunday night the way it has looked in the past. You remember, we go back to last year, and this is normal. Things happen in the league. Where here comes Debo. We've never seen a player have the season that Debo had from basically week 10 through the playoffs. And now we come back the next year. And if you are going to play the 49ers on your schedule, you are fully prepared for that. Whereas you were much less prepared for Debo Samuel, the running back week 11, when he suddenly appeared on the scene, than you would be if you're playing the 49ers in 2022. You spent time in your offseason preparing for the Debo Samuel run game. Well, here it is. And maybe it'll be fine. Maybe it was the Denver defense just slowed him down. But maybe the teams that they're going to play spend some time in the offseason preparing for it, and maybe it will be less effective. And on some level, I wonder, how could it not be at least a little less effective when you think about how effective it was last year? On Sunday night, Debo averaged 1.2 yards per carry. Not only that, five carries, not a big sample size, only 12 yards. He only averaged two and a half yards after contact on Sunday night, which is about half of what he averaged last year when he was over four yards after contact. Now, there could be a variety of reasons for that. Maybe one of the reasons is he's run into a bunch of big dudes because there's a fast athletic defense that uh, Denver has, and it's hard. What if Denver's one of the better tackling teams in the league? Absolutely. All all legit. Time will tell. But last year, they hit a ton of big plays. 
consistently hit big plays in the run game. From week 10 on, he had at least one explosive rush every week. And there what, were more, what do you consider explosive rush? 10 20? yards or more. Ten. Now, I'm rounding up a little. He had like three games where he had a nine-yard rush. But I think for, yeah. the, for the the point is he had a big, a semi-big play with the run game every week. And I think most weeks, if we look back at his game log, he was hitting 17 to 25-yard runs at least once a game. So it was a major part of their run game. And there has to be some acknowledgement that teams, that was a curveball. Teams now look for your curveball. What do you throw them? And I think Mike McDaniel would be part of the solution to that. Now, maybe part of the solution is going to be just keep feeding Debo and you don't play the Broncos every week and it'll be fine. But I think we have to be prepared for the possibility that the Debo Samuel run game is not as explosive as consistently as it was in 2021. I would say that's a problem then if one, Elijah Mitchell's out and their drop off, even to Wilson, who's okay, solid, but he's he's a backup. And Ty Davis Price has an ankle sprain. He's not to, so to me, their running backs aren't as good. Now we'll see Coleman, who again has been cut. He's been on the Niners before, and Mason, and it's just like their running backs aren't as good. So he's like Debo's their best running back. Like Debo is a better running back than Jeff Wilson Jr., who's a running back. Debo is the Niners' best running back. Now, you could make the case of like, well, you paid him this money for him to equal that money. Like, you do need a lot out of him in the passing game as well. I just brought up his stats. I mean, he's got 12 catches. Like, now the problem with the Niners is like, they're not going to have multiple wide receivers, usually with like 10 catch games. Yeah. But wouldn't it be nice if they get a game where both guys, 11 and 19, each get like six to eight catches each? Because to me, that stretches out the field a little bit and then makes it easier, even if you're rolling with Coleman, Mason, and Wilson, to just have solid running backs in this scheme figure it out. But like part of Debo, you know, and listen, he's not the other two guys. Like, because to me, he's in the group just based on they were, their contracts were up. They all got paid because they all got drafted in the second round the same year. DK Metcalf and AJ Brown are outside wide receivers. It would look very weird if they were in the backfield alone, right? Like if DK Metcalf was next to the quarterback, he'd be like, "What is going on here?" You would just scream like, "It would be terrible." But everyone would be like, "Trick play, trick play!" Right? It would. People would freak out. When Debo, it feels very natural. AJ Brown definitely would never. He's not as fast as DK. He might not. He it wouldn't work. But like those guys got paid a lot of money, and when I watch, especially AJ, like stretching the field. Now, you would say, well, DK, Debo's skill set is just so much different than those guys. It's true. And for him to be a good player, like, DK and AJ can, like, get open easier down the field. DK just can run so fast, and he's such a deep threat. AJ is just such a big body, so he can play basketball. Part of Debo's, really, his greatness is the ball in his hands, like that play against Seattle where he juked out a guy in the backfield, juked out three more guys another seven yards down the field. I do think you're going to have to try to figure something out of like utilize him as like the hybrid and less, you know, more wide than back. Yeah. And whether that's just slants, outs, non the quick bubble screen, which, you know, may have a better chance to work against the Rams and like the Broncos. I was watching the Chiefs Colts. Feels like the Chiefs defense is pretty good. Like their DBs are all tackling. McDuffie's been injured. Like, I mean, they, they, they just feel like they have a lot more. I, I mean, I know talking to they, a lot more team speed on defense. When you play defenses with a lot of team speed, it is much harder to execute the bubble screen, especially teams with team speed. And they're also tough. 
Like, and they'll tackle because then bodies just start. Like, I take out your wide receiver's legs. Like, I just create a collision. I wonder if that's a coaching point sometimes through the week. Like, don't let him stand you up because then Debo can take him out, create a create a pile, and then we'll come rally to the ball. And that's what it felt like UC Davis did. Like, create a pile, we'll rally. And Debo would like it just felt like there wasn't as much green grass for him to go. And it might just be team speed, but... Yeah, I didn't think he was any different. No, that's why, to me, you got to utilize him down the field, and they kind of did. But that's... I mean, his route, let's face it, is like a slant, an out, and the, like, right, the just streak down the... You Although know, like Kyle the got him open. Kyle got him open down the sidelines twice. Yeah, which, again, I have no problem doing that, which too. Twice, but you, if you told me you get him open down the sideline twice a game, that's pretty good. Well, then utilize, you got to utilize him that way to make yeah. it worth it once yeah. you're paying him this money. Because just as a running back, one, the running backs die, right? They just get destroyed. Yeah. Unless you're yeah. Saquon, you can just run away from everybody. But even Saquon's been hurt multiple times. Yeah, I mean, he's torn his ACL. Uh, 20 targets for those 12 catches. So that's about on pace with what he was last year. Do, do you agree that it might that it just might not be the same this year in the run game? Or do you are you more do you think it's more likely that it just kind of that it, it they bounce back with Debo in the run game? What I think is going to have to happen is each week they're just going to have to scheme specific plays, not just like run him and just just run our sta- just run our staples. Yeah, because I, I do Debo believe toss now, play when, Debo screen play. When you put nineteen next to the quarterback, it's like why would you not all bite on the run? Well, he's so valuable, you can't waste him too many times as a de- as a decoy, right? But to your point, like you're not the the running back on the other side isn't Elijah Mitchell. Well, do you think Danny Gray now would trade? And the quarterback is Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not a run threat. That's what Trey Lance. That was going to be their curveball, John. Sorry, real quick. That was their curveball. The Debo curveball this year was it's going to be with Trey. Yeah. Right. It was like okay, they're going to adjust to Debo, but we're going to add Trey, so they're going to have to adjust again. Well, now Trey's gone, so the Niners kind of next level on the Debo run game disappeared with Trey Lance. Was Danny Gray a lot less valuable on this team Who? without Trey Lance? Has he been – Has he, he's got a couple targets. When did those happen? I remember one of them. Did those both happen with Trey? But you'd agree. Like if Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback, Danny Gray ain't the type wide receiver you think of, correct? No. Danny Gray, when Jimmy takes over, just starts throwing his stuff in a bag, puts it on a stick over his shoulder, and heads for the Oregon Trail. The Niners have some major flaws right now on offense that, like, this is why they pay. They have a lot of high-priced guys, though. I know Trent is injured, but they still got Juszczyk, Kittle, Debo. I mean, Ayuk is a high-priced talent and their coach. Like, I'm sorry, guy. Like, my overall takeaway is just figure it the fuck out. Well, it's going to have to be, you know, like we talked about it the other day, the only guys that got targets in the first – that got catches in the first half of the game or touches were Debo, Ayuk, Kittle. That was it. And Jeff Wilson Jr. Jennings got a target, but not a catch. Then the second half, there's okay. Now we got here's a juice play on the sideline, right? Uh, so there How may be just, catch. it was pretty sweet. Uh, but there's you're right. Maybe there's a we go into the game with there's going to be a play for Danny Gray, which there actually there was a play. It was the it was when Garoppolo came in in the Seahawks game. Remember they threw a deep ball to Danny Gray. Yeah, remember that play? And it felt yeah. like Kyle's just like fuck it. We're running Danny. Just throw it to Danny. Let's see what happens. A little bit different of a vibe of the game, right? Seattle sucks. Oh, thousand percent <laughs> different vibe of the game. Yeah. Uh, we uh, you know, we could talk about the Rams on the the Rams game coming yeah. up, unless you want to dive into that. A long way away. I mean, we're I know Monday Night Football. 
So we'll be on after that game Monday night. Some tier one games this week, John. We got Dolphins, Bengals on Thursday, tier one. Bills, Ravens. Do you remember what happened last year? Bengals uh, Thursday night game. That was the famous Urban Meyer did not fly back with the team. Kyle with the lady at the bar. Oh. <laughs> Wait, that remember? was a Bengals? Yeah, it was Jags, Bengals. And remember, it was Ohio. like, you know, Burrow doesn't really like Urban. And then they kind of kicked their ass. And Urban had a terrible body language. Didn't fly home with the team. A couple days later, Urban's at Urban Meyer's bar with a chick. That was when that story. That's to me when the dam broke. Yeah. Because he, then he apologized to the team. Remember, he had to address it with the team. I'm pretty sure that was like within the first month of the season, too. It was not like, you know, week 12. That was bad. Yeah. If you told me, uh, wipe your brain of most details, but try and remember, did Urban last till October last year? I could easily answer that question. Like, no, I think he got fired in September. I think he lasted actually long. I think he lasted to like December. Didn't That's he? what I mean. It's like, it. Yeah. Felt, I think it, because to your point, it became so bad so early. Uh, Bills, Ravens, Jags, Eagles, sneaky, fantastic game. Some people have the Jags and you could argue. I I might be wrong. I might've seen a power rankings with Eagles one and Jags two this week in the NFL. Did you think that Wentz Eagles, is it revenge game when you've been on another team in between? Uh, It's not a revenge game when you're bad, when you yourself are not good. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but do you agree? Like, Second team has let you go. When, when yeah, there's a gap in between. Like when Andy played Chip Kelly that first year, it was like they just fired him. Like that was like fresh. He had just spent 15 years. To me, like Doug Peterson, there's a couple years in between, but he hasn't been anywhere else. Like, oh. does he get revenge game status on this? Doug Peterson definitely gets revenge game status. I think um, like Brett Favre when he was a Viking, he definitely got revenge game status on the Packers. Right, that was very personal. Yeah. Even, even though, though the Jets was, had been in between? Even though the Jets had been in between? I think it depends. Like, Wentz, dude, you're on the Colts for a year and they cut you loose. Like, that's too weird. You don't get to do revenge game. Doug Peterson gets to do revenge game because he won the cha- he won the championship, right? Carson did not win the title. Doug Peterson and Nick Foles won the title. Do you have so he, where where is that game? Philly, I believe. Can you imagine how big of a win that would be for the Jags? Humongous. Yeah, it's in Philly, six and a half. But Jags are plus six and a half right now. That's a lot of points, guy. I know. Feels like it feels like a lot of people are going to take the Jags. Maybe the Eagles kick them. Kick it feels ass. like people have been taking the Jags like two, three weeks. I remember what was the Week One Jags game? Everybody was on the Jags. Oh, uh, was it Indy? No, that was Week Two. Who did the Jags play? Everybody week was one? on the Jags Week One. I remember. You're right. It feels like the Jags have been a trendy pick for a lot of people now. For and before they started winning games. Yeah, they played someone. Oh, Commanders. Yeah, yeah. Which I took the commanders. Uh that was lucky though. Went to the bomb. Broncos Raiders. Now, many would not consider this a tier one game, John, but I think this is clearly a big ass game. This is in my bags category, a tier one game, at least for us. But I also think it's just a tier one game. The Raiders are such a national story with Derek, with Devontae, with Josh McDaniels, the only 0-3 team in the league. The Broncos have become an the Broncos were a national story the second they got Russ and then became even more national the second they played on Monday Night Football and had some bad game management situations with their coach. So this is a very, very kind of public game, even though on paper you'd say it doesn't look great because the Raiders are 0-3, but man, oh man, I, I'd put this as a Tier 1 game this week. Well, let's just play the two outcomes. If the Broncos win this game, no matter how it looks, 
they have had the weirdest month probably of any team, and they are three and one. Let's say what you want. Like you would just go, well, they got a ton of talent. If Russell is just, if Russell could just be a middle of the road guy with that talent around him and their running game and their defense, I mean, you're looking at a 12 win team, right? And it's pretty clear that, like, actually, maybe they are the team that has the best chance to take on the Chiefs and not the Chargers, and the Raiders would be fucked. I mean, well, at 0-4, you aren't they, – they, what happens, guy? I mean, are we looking at, like – Becky Hammond so, takes over. Someone DM'd me the other day and said, listen, I, I'm not some crazy-ass, like, take guy, and I'm not coming to you with some conspiracy theory, but do you think the amount of money Mark has just on the line and, you know, Vegas trying to be a big deal – that he could admit after one year, I completely screwed up and go hire Sean Payton because you would say like Sean Payton would be might be interested in the job and kind of give him that type of John Gruden five six years, give him seventy eighty million dollars. You know, he I think he always liked it'd Derek. Be, it'd be like the chip year with the Niners where they cut the court after one year, right after Tom Sula. What would? would but you they'd say have to be. I think they'd have five, five and eleven. I was going to say six. I think. Six wins, or lower. how do you run it back? How do you not cut? I don't. What What did Josh get contract wise? He probably got a lot. I would guess ten million bucks a year, five. For, you know, for at least at least five years, right? Guys are getting six year contracts because it, I'm not going to play. Did he get Monday out of morning. the John Gruden contract? I felt like he did. I mean, that's not public knowledge. I, did. If you if you're taking an educated guess, you think he did. He did keep on his kids, so maybe he's playing nice. It does feel. I would say five wins. Not you would have to acknowledge he's just a complete disaster. Right? You don't think six six would be eleven losses? Six and eleven. It's a lot of losses. Even seven, seven and ten. Who knows how it looks now? Seven and ten. You know, I mean, I guess you've already lost three, so it means you're a five hundred team the rest of the way. Actually, not terrible. It wouldn't feel. You'd just be kind of going back and forth. But I think six and eleven. That sounds awful. Yeah, like six you, got, you go to six wins. and eleven. You're usually drafting in the. They top made the 10. playoffs last year. Yeah, it had a chance. I mean, they had a chance on the ten yard line to win the first round game against the Bengals. Even though and, when you watch the game, they got outplayed. And if you now you add to that, what would Sean Payton? If Sean Payton has any options, you know, if he has the option of the Raiders or the Chargers, he takes the Chargers job. Yeah, right. Um, if he has the option of the Cowboys, and you know, maybe he takes the Cowboys job. But yeah, John, I I don't think it's crazy that Josh McDaniels could be one and done. If I would Josh, put it at if six Josh McDaniels went six and eleven and got fired after a year, would you feel pretty confident that he'd never be a head coach again? Yes, it's after because six. I think people view this job as like it's one thing when you over five years with an organization and the organization's bad. You know, like it's one thing when you have mediocre results with a mediocre organization. But the Raiders, forget about the organization. They got good players. Like, how could you go win six games with this group? And then they added Devontae Adams. Yeah. So, yeah, the other thing is Mark Davis does need – like, he needs to win. Like, he needs to make – he wants to make money, right? And he does like it. Like, I do – there's no question. I had had someone DM me that said that they they went to the Cardinal game. They were just in Vegas, and they wanted. They're like, I'm not even a Raider or a Cardinal fan. I was there, and we got tickets, and we went. And my big takeaway is that, and this guy wasn't trying to be some Raider hater. Like, you know, this podcast gets called every once in a while, but not the other podcast. No, not the late night with Haberman. uh, Go Raiders! Uh, Just win, baby. Is that like 
one of his takeaways was he didn't feel now it's early in the season because you watched that uh week 18 game against the Chargers. It felt like a Raider home game. He's like, I didn't quite, I'm not saying it's like Chargers, but he's like, it's just a lot of people there just kind of hanging. It's not just, it doesn't feel like the Coliseum. It doesn't feel like you go to a Chiefs game. It's just, and it kind of makes sense. I haven't just been in Vegas. You asked me, you're like, did you see a lot of Raider gear? And you're like, you don't really feel like I looked at the stadium and it's clear, like they have a presence. But when you're on the strip, it's just people from fucking all over the world. It's not, like if, if you and I went downtown most major cities, like it feels like downtown Chicago, downtown Old Town Scottsdale, downtown San Francisco. Vegas is kind of unique. Would uh, be a little New Yorkish that if depending on where you were in New York, if you were in like Times Square, where you just feel like you see people from everywhere. I was there when the Knights were in the Stanley Cup Finals, John. There was Knights gear. You couldn't miss it. Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup Finals a Stanley lot Cup different Finals. than you know. I know, I know, but this is the NFL. We're talking about here. Like, this is the Raiders. I'm not saying if I bet if you polled people, people are rooting for the Raiders. But you would also say if I, if you and I were, we had lived in Vegas our entire life, we would have probably had a team, right? So, yeah, a young kid maybe. But if I'm a 50-year-old guy who was born in L.A. or born in Texas or born in Seattle, and I've lived in Vegas since college, you know, for 20, 25, 30 years, I had my squad. Most people you meet, like, who are you a fan of? Hell, you don't, you could go, you could go tomorrow to Colorado. I go tomorrow to Texas. You can run into someone from any state and you ask them, this because I live in Colorado, I live in Texas now, does not mean that they're a fan of the Broncos or the Cowboys. So like right. I actually I was born in Miami. I've I've loved the Dolphins since Marino. That that happens to a lot of humans, right? So I, I do think Vegas is kind of unique that way that a lot of people that were already there, and it was it's a big place. Might have already had, I don't know, their team. It takes time. The only way to convert, A, convert, or B, get, you know, you need the eight-year-olds, as we've always talked about, is you got to win. I don't, he doesn't have time to waste, John. You're saying you don't think it's possible that it may never become that type of home field. Well, it takes a long time to develop that. Yeah. Also, I just think it's a, it's a transient place to begin with. So most people, if you met someone over 45 years old, I would imagine the majority of people there, and maybe I'm speaking out of pocket here, were not born there. Think how many people you've met just in your life since, or I mean, since you've been in the greater Bay Area, a guy from a different place that has their team from that. Yeah, I'm trying to think, have I met somebody from who's a fan of every team? And I think the answer is yes. I've met a fan of every team. But how many people do you know, for example, in the Bay Area that are not from Northern California that like, yeah, I root for the Eagles or I root for the Cowboys. Like they're yeah. my team. I grew up yeah. in Dallas. And there's a yeah. lot of people who grew up in areas where their team sucked and they just were they were a fan of somebody. There was some cool player on some other team and they just became a fan of that team. Right. For sure. You think about like our thing generation. Be good. Like the last thing is we're just from here. Like, you know, you, you meet Mets fans from like 1960. Like, oh, yeah, it's just, that's the neighborhood I grew up in. Mets fan. Like, it's not really the way it works anymore. But when someone asked me, like I had this guy installing TVs today, and he's like, who you root for? He's like, I'm a big Suns fan. I'm like, I'm a Warriors fan. I'm a Steph, Clay, Draymond guy. But if you told me in 15 years, do I still like the Warriors? Well, what if I hate all their players? Like, no, I'd pivot. <laughs> I might like some other team. You know, I might like... Whoever, you know, this French guy, you know, what if I love that guy? What if he's like the next Michael Jordan, but from France? Yeah. So, But like, I would say the Niners and the Giants are two teams that 
I have remember watching since I was like five or six pretty consistently. Like I, I'm going to gravitate toward those two brands that I'll probably never pivot of just, even if I wasn't in the business with the Niners, like I'd probably check the score. Like what are the uh, Niners doing? Today? I remember watching the Niners when I was six, but I lived in Omaha, Nebraska, but I got a Joe Montana helmet, shoulder pads, Jersey set for my birthday. They were just good then. Well, and I look at college football a lot like that. Like, I just gravitate toward, like, I just go on my ESPN app, like, what were the SEC scores today? Because I want to check on Alabama. And I, I follow Harbaugh, so I always want to check on Michigan. Yeah. Well, if I tell you in 15 years that, like, there's a new set of teams, that it's no longer Michigan and Alabama, but it's A&M and Wisconsin, whatever, like, I would probably, if they are the top five teams consistently, you might just check those out. Because I don't have, like, I didn't go to Oregon. I'm not Jeff Schwartz. They're going to say quack, quack, right? I didn't go to USC. So I'm just going to have, like, I, I am kind of just, I'm open for sale. <laughs> Whoever's cool, whoever I'm right now, like what's Lincoln's team doing, right? Yeah. You just kind of gravitate toward that. And I think a lot of people in the NFL are not like that, right? Because the NFL is, if you've grown up anywhere near a major city where I think college is a lot like that, I think the NBA historically can be a little bit like that. But the NFL, for most people, you either grew up around a team regionally or it's like, I love Dan Marino when I was a kid. I've been a diehard Miami Dolphins fan my whole time. You, you, It's very rare to me that you meet a football person that are like, you know, grew up in Dallas. I've lived in Vegas the last 30 years. Love the Cowboys. But the Raiders came and now I'm just all in the Raiders. Now, you might go, I pay attention much closer to the Raiders, right? Sure. But like, I would never, if they're both on in my, my allegiance, like I'm watching the Cowboys, right? That's why that God made two TVs. But uh, Luis has been in Vegas thirty years. Ton of different fans of teams here. Las Vegas Niner Empire is strong. There you go. Uh, guess the line on Broncos Raiders. Do you know it? Have you looked at it? Games in Vegas. Games in Vegas. Wouldn't you imagine a decent Bronco contingent coming? Well, they've gone from booing their team for the first three weeks to maybe having a little hope. So yeah, uh, pick them. Uh, no, Raiders are favored by two and a half points. Raiders or Raiders or favored. Uh, Chiefs Bucks is our Sunday night game. Would you say the Raiders of all the teams this year, this week, even more than the Niners? The Niners would be up there, must win. Uh yeah, they'd be number one on the must win list for sure. And you could argue last week they were near the top of the list, right? Yep, yep. Josh McDaniels is five and twenty as a head coach. I I know there's a long well, gap. but he, what did he did he start five? No, what did well, he start? six and zero. Oh. Or well, how, maybe it's five and twenty. Only. Yeah, let me let me double check that. Well, I, my, what I'm getting at is, what's his losing streak? Unless he won like some week seventeen game, he Josh must McDaniels. be on a wild losing streak. Sorry, I gotta. Uh, maybe he's maybe he's five and twenty. His last twenty five, he's eleven and twenty. So, so maybe Josh McDaniels, five. his first season with the Denver Broncos, oh nine, eight and eight. Yep. Next Playoffs. year, th- three and nine. Three and nine, which does not Fire. add up to sixteen. <laughs> no, and obviously he's zero and three. So, okay, so he's he's his these his last he's three of his last fifteen is he he's won. And what did the three and twelve season? What did he start that year? Uh, three and twelve. No, three and nine. Three and nine. But what did he start? I'm saying he's three and twelve, including this year. How many games in a row has he lost? Is what I'm getting at. I, I'm trying to find. Uh, Okay, so he lost. He was one and one, one and two, two and two. So he was two and two. 
Then he L L L L. So he's two and six. Beats the Chiefs. Now he's three and six. And then he goes L L L to be three and nine straight as a coach. He's lost six straight. Yeah. Um, John, the the Lions four and a half point favorites this week against the Seahawks. By the way, and as I said, Sunday night football, Chiefs and Bucks. Uh, the Chiefs minus two at Tampa on Sunday night. I don't know what to make of the Chiefs right now, other than I think they're probably better than people are acting after, but just weird. Things are just a little weird. Well, they don't score as many points as they used to. No, they Tyreek. don't. I mean, Tyreek's pretty freaking good. He's good. Pretty good. And Coming fun. after Eli Apple. Yeah, he's having a good time. He's, he's just, they're all having a good time, Miami. So. Well, do, do you know what? I, I got to give him some credit. You don't maintain his level of greatness. Like, historically, right, in sports, when guys have made that transition, sometimes, quote-unquote, mail it in or just get a little uh, bit on easy street. Uh-huh. Like, clearly, he's a championship-level competitor, right? Just You just watch. If you just watch the clips of the Dolphins, it looks like he's trying equally as hard as he tried on the Chiefs. And uh, I, I respect that because I, I, like I, I assumed he was going to mail it in. It almost feels like he's... I don't know if Tyreek would ever be like one of your leaders necessarily, but it kind of feels like he feels like it's on him to produce for them, which it is kind of. You know what I mean? Does that make that sense? Trades work, yeah, that trade's working out a little bit better than uh, the Raiders. Would they get two ones? Well, like Devontae, I would have bet the house that Devontae is going to give you everything he has, and he literally is. They're just, just not going as smoothly. What was that trade? Two ones for Tyreek? No, I think it was like a one, a two, and like a three and a four or something. Uh, John, let's not forget about the London game. You be up Sunday morning. Will I be up? Please. I live for this. Uh, that game is at uh, 6.30 a.m. 6.30 a.m. Pacific. Yep. Yeah. Vikings Saints. And uh, the uh, Vikings are, uh, are a three-point favorite. But uh, you, you reminded me, I guess the Saints are what? One and two? It could be one and three. Yeah. With a loss. Uh that the Eagles have their pick. Yeah, it's not gonna age well if the Jameis and those guys fall off a cliff, and I think they're in major trouble, guy. Jameis is not good. And James, in fairness to Jameis, he's got broken back, messed up ankle. He's injured, and you know, I think he's a pretty flawed player to begin with, but he's very injured. It was one of those classic like first time week two, you know, flip on Fox like nine thirty in the morning and it's Jay Glazer is just standing there in a suit that's like a medium, probably should be a size bigger. And a lot of times he's just reading the inactives. It's like, Jay, I mean, I ha- we have Twitter, man. We know who's inactive and who's not. But this was a classic news break. Like he had this in his back pocket. He's like, you know, I'm reporting here that Jameis is playing with a, a, a C1 and a D2 strain in the discs in the back. And you're like, geez, he's got a messed up back. And then the following week, I think he's got a messed up ankle too. So Jameis is uh, – doesn't feel like Jameis is an ideal player to have not fully healthy. Just him, he's a flawed guy, fully healthy, right? <laughs> I mean, he's not Mr. Pinpoint Accuracy. What did they, what did they, yeah, I mean, he still threw for over 300 yards somehow the other day. What did they get? So they traded to Philly 18, uh, the, sorry, they traded, yeah, they traded 18 and a future and the 2023 first rounder to get 16 and 19. But then they traded 16 because 
that pick ended up being Jihad Dotson on the Commanders. And that pick was from the Wentz deal. So that was actually the fourth team that that pick belonged to. It went from Indy to Philly to New Orleans to Washington. I don't know what New Orleans – I got to go back and look what New Orleans got back for that pick. But they. the point is, they. they I mean, did they get a first back? Because they gave up a first to get a first. I'm guessing they did not get a first back, right? In all likelihood, they probably got a second or something. Who did uh, they take with the 18th pick? Because they took a lobby took like a eleven. Penning. So, so they so they went uh, they went trenches and they went Alave. Yeah, but Alave was their pick already. Their, their own pick, yeah, their own pick. Uh, where did that Washington pick end up? I don't know. Research for another time. Commanders but. have a like a Falcons feel that I'm just not going to pay much attention to them. Well, see, they're the perfect example. When I was talking on the last pod about like you know Mike McDaniel, just how lucky you end up the Dolphins coach. You could have been you could have been Washington's coach. That's the example. Well, like when Rivera's fired after this year, when they win five games, yeah, is that a does Norio make it to the end of the season? No, probably not. But like, is, is no. that a, like who who are they hiring? Some kind of rant? Like if well, you're Demuto you Ryan, there you go. Would you take would, would you take that job? You'd have to be like. I mean, you know what Kyle would be telling him is like, D'Amico, don't like you're you're balling. We got players. You got Bosa and Armstead and Fred, and we got Traverius and Paul Amalu Jr. He's not. Did you hear Collinsworth by the way? And I think somebody else. Tweet like another former player tweeted. I thought, some well, R- I think Richard or someone Sherman, <laughs> yeah. maybe or w- I thought it was Woodson, Charles Woodson. Maybe somebody said. I remember you and I talked about it. Well, he's not Paul Amalu. I was like, well, now everyone's talking about him. I've, everyone's like, why do you the hair? I mean, come on. But um, I felt like Paul Amalu is a little smaller. This guy's a little taller. Remember, Paul Amalu felt small. Yeah, played big. Yeah, hit. And Paul Amalu is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> but. uh uh, yeah, if you're if you were Kyle, now obviously you'd want D'Amico to remain. D'Amico probably will have multiple options, but you know Robert Sala ended up taking the Jets job, which maybe it's fine, but it's not really at the top of everybody's list. And it felt like Robert had multiple options. Yeah, we did. We did, we denigrate all these jobs, and then guys get offered a job. And they're like, "What am I supposed to say no to this job?" Like how what many? I mean, like what yes. jobs are going to be open? Chargers, well, football team, Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Texans always go one and done. Yeah, it could probably be Texans, not. But not a. I mean, if the if the Saints were to win five or six games, would he be one and done? Could be. Feels like maybe they. You know, when you when you promote from within, I think it's probably easier to be one and done than if you spent a whole search. And I don't think no matter how ugly this thing gets, he gets truly fired. Is there a chance Belichick is now back with the Patriots? Yeah. Would that be a desirable job? Uh, doesn't really, what infrastructure do they really have in place? Besides just the owners, people like them, right? The crafts. Is it too soon to hand the job off to his son? Someone told me that they're like, you know, I'd pump the brakes on Steve Belichick. You don't think he interviews well? Just that, you know. With his six foot mullet? Yeah, that I don't know if, I assumed he was sweet, you know, genius son. They're like, don't exactly think like Kyle Mike Shanahan level here. <laughs> That's not quite what this thing is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Browns, no. Denver. I mean, Denver, we just assume is going to come open, but maybe they hack it, coaches his way into that job. That's not well, if he makes the playoffs or whatever. He's not going anywhere. But he also right? just might get better as the year goes wrong. But yeah, but you're right. Is he, If he makes the playoffs, he's not going anywhere. Indy. Cowboy, Cowboys, Indy. Cowboys, yeah. definitely. Indy could be. Um, doesn't feel like Salah's on the hot seat in New York, but it's early. You never know. 
but like they have one good game, then they get their ass kicked. Yeah. Zach Wilson might come back this week. Oh, okay. I, I do think if he's good, like if he just shows promise and they win six, seven games, like I, to me that next year would be a big year for them. Arizona? Cliff? You, you never know. And they're pretty they're one ugly, and two. bro. They're terrible. Doesn't feel like Pete Carroll's about to walk away, but he'd have to get fired. Um, Atlanta, no. Detroit, no. Doesn't feel like it feels like they're going to be no, they're solid gonna be enough. Gamble solid, yeah. Carolina, potentially. Potentially, I, I, I keep an eye on them. A lot of teams. I think, yeah, I think there are a lot of swing teams right now. What were you going to say? You keep an eye on who? Uh, the the Carolina Panthers bouncing back a little bit. Oh, uh, they are actually. Who do they play this week? Panthers. I was just looking at this game. Panthers play ooh, the Cardinals in, yeah, I, at home. Remember, the Cardinals got their ass beat last year by the Panthers. Panthers are minus dose. Coyotes. In Arizona? No, no, no. Charlotte. I like Carolina here, guy. I like Carolina here a lot. Then you got Niners Carolina. That game's not going to be easy. No. You like the Ravens this week? I think the Ravens defense kind of makes me nervous. They give up a lot of points. The Bills are kind of, I mean, the Bills still might be the best team in the league, but it's just, that's a weird I don't game. know. Lamar is just, he's trying to get $75 million a, a year. Bet, like, well, this has the potential to be an awesome game, right? Just with those two quarterbacks. Yeah. He's trying to get how much a year? $75 million a year? Yeah. I mean, why not? You score five touchdowns a game. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, we will uh, see you again soon, Thursday. Uh, in the meantime, let us know what you think. Hit us with some comments, some likes. If you're here right now, hit that like button. Uh, big fan of the like button. And, um, yeah, holler at your boys. Peace. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.